From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman. Thanks for listening. Uh, for those hoping to hear the great James Andrew Miller, ah, the scheduling gods weren't with me this time around, uh, but hopefully we'll get that rescheduled soon. I'll keep you posted on that. And uh, something a little bit different for this podcast, a virtual roundtable of sorts. I have uh, 10 minutes with uh, John, John Orand of the Sports Business Journal on NFL ratings and a little bit on the news that uh, Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose will be joining Mike Greenberg's new ESPN show. And uh, then I have 20 minutes with the big leads, Ryan Glassbeagle, mostly on the Beetle Rose news, but also some NFL ratings. So hope you enjoy it. And uh, joining me on the High Desert Hotline for this episode, uh, for the first part of this episode anyway, is uh, John Oran from the Sports Business Journal slash Sports Business Daily. John, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, thanks for doing it. So uh, I talked to John a little bit offline. Uh, so, you know, for me on Friday night when that stuff was going on, my initial reaction was, wow, I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like the, when the when the president is tweeting about sports TV ratings, that's uh, that that made me feel very uncomfortable. And uh, so I took the weekend to think on it and uh, uh, was much less sour uh, after the whole weekend played out, but I, I thought it would be good uh, to get John on the call just to just to have him talk about how to think about the NFL ratings, what to think about what you see as it's coming across the transom, and uh, I just think John is a very good person to do that and is is better for that sort of thing than I am. So, John, help me out here. I, I need the help too. I I mean, uh, there are so many caveats that I think all your all your listeners probably know uh, best. Which is, like, I mean, it's such a folly to predict NFL ratings. Like, who has any idea where they're going to go? They could crater, uh, and, and by cratering, they'll, they'll still be the most popular programming on TV by far. Or, yep. you know, they, they, they could go up a little bit. I mean, they, they, no, nobody quite knows right now what's going to happen. But the one thing that is for sure, whether there are protests or, or people are not going to watch the games, if you have good, close games – Ratings are generally going to go up. If you have bad weather, uh, this was a, a, such a, uh, uh, you know, the lightning, or excuse me, the uh, light bulb went off over my head several years ago. Like bad weather outside means people are inside and they're going to be watching yep. the games, you know, and, and that that helps a lot too. If all of a sudden some stars come out and they start to really, really play well, that's going to help too. Uh, and, and so you know, th- th- there are so many different factors that go into ratings and the whole black and white nature of like ratings are down, you know, because of the protest, you know, you, you want to use that as the, the one exam, the one reason it's generally not that one reason. There are generally about 10 or 15 reasons that, that are sort of built into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I saw, and, and some of this is just Twitter. I don't think there's any sort of malfeasance on the, the people tweeting it out. Uh, but when you're limited to, when you're limited to 140 characters, uh, saying that last night's Sunday night football game was down versus last year's equivalent game is easy. Uh, squeezing in that, uh, last year's equivalent game featured the Cowboys and how important Cowboys are to TV ratings is maybe not so easy to squeeze into a tweet. And last night's game had, had happened to have the Redskins winning 21 nothing early in the third quarter. I mean, yep. how many people uh, turned it off at that point? So there, well, there I, I mean, so I, 
Yeah, I'm a Redskins fan. I fell asleep at 21 to 7. Sorry, NBC. I apologize. <laughs> Only because you were scared that they were going to blow it, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> you didn't need to see uh, that. Yeah, there, there was probably some of that. Let me, let me fall asleep while I'm feeling good. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, you know, as, uh, you, you're, you're sort of the primary guy who sort of got me in the uh, mindset of, uh, you know, not dismissing the notion that, um, even though I don't, or at least before this weekend, didn't, didn't consider it anything that actually impacted the ratings that, uh, how people feel about various things, uh, is meaningful. And, uh, it was interesting to me. I forget who I saw tweet this, but, uh, you know, uh, some someone basically tweeted out something that there was like, uh, you know, one point two five billion worth of uh, NFL sponsorship. And uh, so far, none of the NFL sponsors have said anything about the, the weekend tweets. Yeah. And the, and the one thing you know about NFL sponsors is that if this becomes a political football, it might be something where you, know, you go back to that, uh, whether or not Michael Jordan actually said it, you know, even Republicans wear, wear shoes. Like, yeah, they, they they don't they don't want to get involved with anything other than sell, selling their products. And so they don't need to make a decision like we're going to go on. We're going to go after the We're going to support the NFL if the NFL also sudden gets painted into this completely liberal bastion corner. And then you have, you know, the uh, the, uh, the right wing and uh, and conservative uh, Republicans um, protesting it and, and not watching it and taking their money away from people that might, that might support it. So it's a, uh, th- these are all things to watch. That's still a long ways down the road. I haven't heard anything suggesting that's going to happen, but, uh, but it's, uh, you know, th- those are things that you keep your eye on when, when things, when things like this happen. Yes. Yeah, so um, with, without, without knowing uh, what the results for, for tonight's uh, Cardinals Cowboys game, uh, oh, we I think still we, know. I think we know. We know it's up. We know it's up way up over last year. No yeah, it's going to be up huge. Last year went uh, <laughs> up against the, uh, the the debate, the the first uh, Trump Clinton debate, and uh, and it was a, a record low for for ESPN. And you mentioned earlier the Cowboys. The Cowboys happen to be playing tonight, so they, they're going to bring a legion of fans watching them. The surest bet in the world is that the ratings tonight are going to be up significantly over last year. Yeah, and I think when uh, when that gets added in, the the end result for this week is actually going to be that the uh, that the ratings, at least based on the overnight ratings, are up uh, versus week three in uh, 2016. Once that gets factored in, um, and it's been kind of a confusing season to look at the uh, you know sort of the aggregate trends because of the uh, the difference in the way the Thursday night. Uh, schedules getting rolled out this this year so it's, it's two weeks later so we've had uh you know two games that last year were on broadcast television uh, this year were, were were cable only but with with those caveats in place wh- what are your thoughts so far uh with the the limited ratings info we have uh, you know, through uh, week three so i i came at the end of last season i thought that the main reason ratings were down last season was due to the election and the overheated election cycle. And right. you know, like I said earlier, there are 20 reasons why ratings would drop. I thought that that was the main reason, and I thought that this season you you wouldn't have that that reason come in. During the uh, the preseason games, I just started noticing like you know the news networks are still posting huge ratings, and the preseason yep. games didn't do that well. And so my original prediction from last February that you know ratings would be up a, a double digits. You know, it got, got tempered somewhat. So I, you know, I think that ratings 
my my projection is ratings are going to probably be down a little bit uh, for the season. I, I mean, this is a guess, uh, like yeah. everyone else, but they'll be flat to down a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if you take a look at the NFL audiences, people still watch. I mean, for, for the, those overnights, when you add in all the different overnights, it's like a, you know, a 49 rating once you add yeah. in like every, I mean, nobody watches television like that. So there might be protests. There might be all this other stuff. It is still for television, the number one programming option that's out there by far. I mean, there's the, the number two is so far down as to yep. not even be in the, uh, in the same zip code. Yeah. I mean, so I, I probably think, uh, you know, flat to, you know, down 10 to 12%, just cause that's been sort of the, you know, the, the typical TV trend, uh, the, the, the past few years, but within those parameters, as long as the NFL is the biggest game in town, you, I think you'll still see, you know, you might see NFL ratings down 8%, but NFL rating, uh, NFL advertising revenue up 8%. Exactly. Uh, well, and one of the problems that the NFL has to look into is, you know, we've been writing the story about NASCAR being down. How long has NASCAR been down, Robert? Like, it, it, this is going on a decade, it seems like. And they, they always say, well, look at look at the aggregate audience. Look at that. Look at how big, you know, how how many people come to watch the, the, the game, the, the races. Right. And that's a, that's an argument that really worked the first two, three, maybe even four years. But now it's sort of like, all right, you got to stop. Yep. Now we definitely see where yep. the trend is. So at some point, the NFL, you know, they they don't want to continue this story of a of a downward trajectory. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Okay, so uh, uh, moving on, uh, I think uh, the Hollywood Reporter today uh, broke the news that uh, Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose. Uh, would be joining the the new Mike Greenberg show on ESPN, and I think uh, some other info is that uh, the the show will not be actually launching until April, and uh, and that it's two hours at least for now instead of three hours that was originally talked about. And uh, just looking for your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, uh, I don't actually have an original thought on this. I'm going to ape a, a Richard Deitch tweet, uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, Connor Shell loves Jalen Rose and loves Michelle Beadle. And these are sort of the, the two people that he can really rely on. And so uh, I, I think that both of them ha- um, are, are certainly the uh, two of the better known on-air talents at ESPN, you know, stars in their own right. And it's uh, it, it shows the, the amount of um, um, interest that ESPN has in, in this morning show. So, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty good statement by ESPN that they're taking this morning show seriously and they want it to do well. Yeah, I'm I'm on the record uh as being somewhat surprised by it because I, I just thought the uh you know the the NBA stuff was ascending and uh I wouldn't want to mess with anything going on with the NBA stuff given given how that's going. Uh but uh you know that that is why I'm not qualified to work at ESPN. I guess. <laughs> now I haven't I, I actually haven't checked. Does this mean is Beetle not gonna be doing the NBA now? No, so it doesn't mean that. Um, but you know the way the the way that uh, the way that the THR story is worded, or at least the way that I read it was, uh, you know, the operative words were uh, that uh, you know that uh, it, the the, uh, the the NBA show would still be the same for now. Uh, but you know that that leaves a lot of interpretation. I think it does. But you know, the ESPN has had such a problem with that NBA show for years, especially going against uh, TNT. And they were really happy, and I thought Beatle did a really good job, just sort of Me too. Ma- making it a 
you know, uh, like what, uh, you know, she, she was almost like Ernie Johnson, you know, it, she, she made it very much like what that TNT show was. And I thought that th- uh, this past season's um, a, a show with, with Beatle was very, very good. So I, I would be surprised if they took her out of that completely. Yeah, it seems like a seems like a big workload for her there, but uh, it will it will be interesting to see how that goes. Hey, John, thanks as always for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So, uh, just imagine a beautiful musical interlude here, leading you into the uh, portion of the podcast with Ryan Glassbeagle. Uh, but before getting to that, uh, both in the uh, John Oran portion of the call and in the Ryan Glassbeagle portion of the call, I uh, talk about the. Uh, the uh, the new Michelle excuse me the new Mike Greenberg show which uh, Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose will be joining as uh, as now being two hours instead of the three hours that were originally planned that is not correct that's a mistake on my part and uh, it will be three hours so I uh, just wanted to clear that up okay joining me now is Ryan Glassbeagle of the Big Lead uh, Ryan and I recorded about thirty minutes a few days ago. And uh, then with the president tweeting about NFL TV ratings, the uh, sports media landscape changed so much. Uh, that chat now seems like a snapshot of simpler times. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. It, it was unplanned obsolescence. Well, unplanned, but not unpredicted. Do you want to talk about uh, your prediction? Uh, I, I said that the whole world would be different um, because – I don't, the, the NFL rating narrative just shifts week to week no matter what. We're all really obsessed with year-over-year year numbers and a small sample size. And we also talked about the possibility of Michelle Beadle hosting Mike Greenberg's show with him in the mornings. And that, of course, came to fruition with a report from The Hollywood Reporter today. Yeah, ESPN's still not confirming it, but uh, but that that's a done deal. If uh, uh, yeah, that they're not putting that in print and naming their agents without that being in there, without that being done. Yeah, and and just to recap, so uh, as recently as uh, as last Thursday when when we chatted, I was very much of the mindset that uh, I didn't think. Uh, ESPN should mess with the, the the good thing it has going with it with an ascending NBA, which I think you you personally generally agree with. But uh, your your worldview was more once ESPN goes down a path that it wants to do something, it it stays on that path, and uh, and that seems to be what happened. What, what do you think? Well, the THR piece says that Beetle and Jalen are still going to be co-hosts of NBA Countdown, but it used the operative word for now. So what I think is going to happen, the first half of the season, like until from the opener until New Year's, there's only two per week. So maybe they'll do those for a little while. The show doesn't start until with, – with Greeny doesn't start until the spring. So maybe they stay out in L.A. and do Countdown for a bit on Wednesdays and Fridays and continue to do them – maybe like Friday night and one of Saturday or Sunday once the countdown extends from two to four. And I think that you'll just see in the NBA playoffs a very hardworking Jalen Rose and Michelle Beadle carrying a lot of weight during the morning show and countdown. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm I'm just still kind of surprised that – that ESPN is putting so much emphasis on a morning TV show 
uh, in an era where you know launching anything new and 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 getting success with it is 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 very is very tough, and uh, now adding you know adding more star power to it from from my point of view just puts more attention and pressure on the ratings. Any thoughts on that? It does, and uh, as we did talk about with First Things First, which has struggled a little bit to gain viewership in its own right right out of the box, there when when you're in a seven to ten a.m. Eastern morning show, you're really cutting off a third of the country from really having any ability to watch it from an aggregate viewership perspective. So I, I don't, they, with, with the crew that they're assembling on this show, just treading water from the, this morning sports center that they apparently think is so outdated that it needs to be taken off ESPN and put on ESPN too. They're going to have to beat those numbers when you consider what they're paying Greeny, what they're paying Beetle. They must be paying her a ton if they're moving her across the country and having her get up that early and hosting Countdown. When you talk about breaking up Mike and Mike, which has been a cash cow for ESPN for 15 years, they're putting the show in New York where real estate is expensive and there's union production costs. Uh, when they run Mike and Mike in a studio in Bristol, that costs ESPN almost nothing. So there's a lot of incremental costs that are coming from this program. And it really, they, they want to set the tone throughout the day of having an anchor where they think that this is going to be must see TV. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that they're totally right about that but that's what their logic is yeah so so i i i don't i mean if if they can pull it off then then all applause to them i mean i i just don't see uh creating must-see tv in this era as being something that uh that is uh that is something that can be easily done or or, or even done maybe at all and uh we're, i guess we'll get a good test of that this this show is scheduled to launch in in uh in early January, uh, ahead of the uh, the CF- no no no, it's delayed. It's delayed till probably like April. Ah, uh, was was that in the did did I skim the THR story? Yeah, it- THR said it's expected to launch in the spring, and Deitch tweeted that he had insiders telling him that it was going to be the spring as well. Oh, uh, that's very interesting. So now they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna amp it up around the uh, I guess the NBA playoffs instead of the. Uh, the NFL. The, the NFL and college stuff, uh, and 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 to me that that makes the launch even harder. Well, yeah, because there's more. Well, here's the thing: because if they got they get those they get the um, the college viewership on like the playoff games, but with with the NBA, those are those games are actually people watching ESPN the night before and turning it on. So, like the NFL, bigger tentpole events in terms of the sports landscape, but those air those games air on like NBC, Fox, and CBS. Right. Yeah, but still, you know, but the but the the tune and even like for the. Uh... For like the late night uh, Sunday SVP, it's pretty good. I mean, you can see people people do some people do at least switch over. Uh, yeah, for for years and years and years, and Fox Sports One still hasn't had competition for this. Uh, when when big games and people switch to Sports Center at night, still that's when Sports Center is still 
it's most relevant is the night after big games. Yep, I'm 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 with you on that. So uh, hopefully on this uh, this same podcast, I'll, I'll also in a separate segment be uh, talking to to John Oran, um, and we'll be talking about NFL ratings. But uh, one one thing I'm hoping to to get out of him, which I'll well, which I'll ask you as well, uh, in 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 this era. With uh, now, there's I, I guess I would say there will be some kind of validation and vitriol uh, behind the the TV ratings uh, involved. What do you think is like a reasonable way for average people to to deal with everything they're seeing coming over the transom about NFL ratings? I don't know. It, you, <laughs> it requires really like knowledge of hieroglyphics almost to interpret all these because you've got like some people with agendas parading around touting that NBC is down 11% year over year on Sunday night football. But Oh, by the way, the Cowboys who are far and away the biggest draw were on Sunday night football last year and weren't this year. And so like parading around that drop is just as disingenuous as it's going to be tomorrow when we hear these elated ESPN releases talking about how it's up double digits year over year on Monday night football. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I hope to drop this podcast on Monday night. So you might even, some of you might even be hearing this, uh, uh, before the Monday Night Football ratings uh, for for this week's uh, uh, Cowboys Cardinals game are out, uh, but the the relevant comparison there is uh, last year it was Falcon Saints, and that Falcon Saints game went against uh, one of the uh, the Trump Clinton debates and was uh, <laughs> one of the lowest games on record. Uh, so uh, you know the year over year comparison, uh, not having that debate plus having the Cowboys uh, indeed will be way way up uh, versus last year. It. It really, it seems like people, I, I, I've been on this for a while. I think that news and sports are substitute products and that you can draw a straight line from any drop in NFL ratings to gain in cable news ratings. And that just uh, people have been kind of unwilling, except for Donald Trump, who <laughs> in that, like in his screen on Friday night, took credit for some of the drop in NFL ratings. He said like, they're watching me and he's right. Oh yeah. For, for, I, I think to some degree, I mean, it's, it's problematic. I mean, so the, the, you know, the, the view I get of the data, um, I mean, there's at least anecdotally a case to make that last year people did, uh, in, in, uh, in, in some, to some great measurable degree, uh, migrate more to cable news, uh, but I don't have the data to to say specifically that uh, these NFL people, these people who watched X NFL last year, uh, watched X NFL this year because they watched Y uh, cable news coverage this year that they didn't watch last year. That kind of viewpoint, uh, uh, that kind of view, it, I I don't even think that you know the the Nielsen subscribers uh, can can get that good of a look into it. So. Do we have uh, numbers on how many people on like Netflix viewership and Hulu viewership and Amazon Prime viewership and like how many more hours people are watching those than two and three years ago? I mean, there are certainly some numbers, and I think that is something that uh, that Nielsen has been measuring for a while, and that they probably uh, could uh, 
uh, could produce. But yes, I mean, so I think what Ryan is suggesting here as well, if in, uh, you know, 2014 people were on average, you know, watching Netflix three hours a week, but in two hour, 2017, if it's uh, six hours a week, might that not even be a bigger deal than a migration to cable news? And I think it might be, but uh, I don't have those numbers, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it seems like a lot more people are just watching Netflix than watching on their cable bundle. And that's not even just attributable to cord cutting because there are a lot of people who have both. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's attributable to, uh, uh, to, to the desire to be able to watch what you want when you want to watch it, which I, I, I perfectly get that. Uh, and, uh, it would not surprise me at all. I mean, if you looked at all the, the mobile usage and the Netflix usage and the Hulu usage, um, I mean, I, I think all of that stuff is going to be way, way up even, even versus what it was three years ago. Uh, but, I, but, but, but for now that's guesswork on my part. Cause I, I just don't have the data. I just got a, a text message that we, we further skimmed the THR thing. And that the Beatles show is going to be Beatle and Greeny is going to be two hours, not three. Uh, interesting. So and it was originally going to be seven to 10. So it'll be interesting to see what they do between nine and 10. If they move first take to nine, because right now undisputed starts at nine 30 or whatever. There's an hour now in the ESPN block that we don't have accounted for. Uh, that that's uh, that's interesting. I don't know if that means there's another show coming up by the same folks that are producing the, uh, uh, you know, the Greeny show. I, one of the things that uh, Rachel Nichols told me that I found interesting was sort of the uh, the flexibility that uh, that uh, the the jump in Sports Nation all being produced by the same people gives them on uh, on 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 the timing for each show. Maybe they're trying to do something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I to NFL. What's, I apologize for that interruption. Oh no, no, not at all. I, you know, I, so um, you know, you you were. I think um, I come at things from a uh, mostly like from a, a, a trade publication sensibility, and, um, and and you really don't. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, so I, I I am just really interested, uh, you know, from your perspective, like when when you see stuff coming over the transom, like what do you, what do you what do you soak in and what do you ignore as far as the NFL ratings? Uh, I took the the overnight numbers are a little bit hard for me to understand because I haven't been like doing this long enough that I have a reflexive understanding of where, I don't know, like a 5.9 or something will translate into aggregate viewership. Yep. And then there, Mulvihill tweeted this last year. There's a bunch of those markets kind of spread out throughout the Midwest that aren't in the top 50 markets in America. But when you add them all together, they have pretty significant numbers. So I try not to think too much about these ratings Unless it's a big temple event like the Super Bowl or the NCAA Finals or something. So I see the viewership number rather than the overnight because I'm able to deduce the math of that a little bit better. But yeah, I I kind of just wait for like you or Austin Karp or John Orrand or Deitch to interpret what some – or Mulvihill to interpret what some of these things mean before – I try to form my own opinion on it first, unless 
it's the aggregate viewership number. And then I feel like, okay, this is really an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the a- aggregate viewership number myself just because it's a very simple thing to communicate. And I think, you know, even, even people who aren't in the industry and, and don't really care can kind of get a grasp of what that number is. And uh, though I, I very much personally do like the, uh, the meter market ratings, uh, communicating what those, those numbers mean is difficult, but I, I will try again here. Uh, so when you see something like, uh, by the way, for this uh, weekend, like in the, uh, the early block of CBS games, uh, the overnight rating was – actually, I don't see the overnight rating. I'm seeing projections. That's interesting. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to edit this out. I didn't realize what I was looking what what I was even looking at. But uh, um, so so the uh, the overnight ratings that come out uh, in the you know the very first numbers that come out are the average household uh, uh, household tune in um, in the 56 largest markets out of uh, 210 total markets, right? So in those 56 markets probably represent about 85% of the total viewership uh, in the United States. But, um, you know, the, the 15% can, can change the numbers quite a bit. And uh, uh, You know what else changes the number quite a bit? The, that 3 p.m. or the 4 p.m. Eastern window, that game, when it's close, it makes a big difference. And that it probably also makes a big difference – in these standalone primetime games. And so when you go year over year with these things, and like last year might have been an epic game and this year might have been a dud, the comparisons really need to be done in more three dimension than you can really do in maybe one tweet. Yeah. So, A, it's, so I think, you know, uh, if you, if you want to be a purist, um, you know, to get to convey all of the relevant information, it's it's certainly hard hard to do, impossible to do in one tweet. Uh, and then I think it's hard even to you know I got, I am a I am a casual sports fan, um, and I know that the uh, I'm a, I'm a a very avid NFL fan, and I know that the 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 Saints and the Falcons played in that Monday night game last year. But I can't tell you how close that game was without looking it up. So I mean, I think it's it's just hard to keep all the data points in mind. But but you're right. The matchups year over year matter. The uh, the closeness of game, uh, particularly in the second half, matters. And uh, and and yeah, that's that's not information you get just by looking at like a raw. Uh, oh, you know the the Sunday night football game did an eleven point six overnight. And really, Mulva Hill just has the best way of contextualizing it. And yeah, my boss Jason McIntyre, it works for Fox Sports, so. That's an obvious disclosure. I think everybody who's listening to this probably knows that. But when you, you hear – you see people on ESPN citing Mulva Hill's talking points all the time. Like I saw Mina Kimes cite it this weekend. Scott Van Pelt and Dan Lebetard yep. brought them up on occasion. So when you see smart people from ESPN using Mulva Hill's data as the gospel, that's how you know it's legit. Yeah, now I, you know, I am, uh, I am a, a fan of the big lead, but I am, I am a more, more a Ryan Glassbeagle guy than a Jason McIntyre guy, and Jason knows this, and uh, definitely Mulvihill is a, a Fox affiliation or not. I mean, you gotta, you gotta watch him, uh, you know, because he, he will, uh, 
he will he will try to spin things sometimes. But the uh, the thing that he does that that I think is is really great um, is he context he contextualizes the uh, the notion of uh, uh, of, uh, of you know total total attention um, by by multiplying the uh, the average viewership by the number of minutes. And uh, once you once you start viewing things in the uh, in the billions of minutes space. Um, you stop worrying about sort of the, uh, you know, NFL down 4% or NFL up 4%. Because, I mean, the reality is uh, unless, unless we start seeing where, where uh, uh, this boycott of the NFL that uh, Trump is trumpeting uh, takes hold and we start seeing, you know, down 20% week over week, you know, in consecutive weeks, uh, the NFL really doesn't have anything to worry about, I don't think. As well, long well, they lost Brent McHenry, so. What's that? The, the NFL lost Britt McHenry. I don't know how they're ever going to recover from that. Uh, uh, is, is that a narrative that's out there that ratings are down because the NFL lost Britt McHenry? No, 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 no. <laughs> but they, they lost one viewer. Oh, oh, I see. She boycotted. I see. Yes. Well, I'm, you know, this goes she for. She spent the day on the Malibu beach. <laughs> uh, first Sunday in 15 years. She missed a good one, too. Yeah, well, well, this goes for for Brit and everyone else. If you're not a not a Nielsen household, you don't count. But theoretically, the way that Nielsen is set up, uh, Brit represented all the other people who said, "You know what? Screw this! I'm going to Malibu." So, uh, so, so theoretically, all those people are still represented somewhere in the in the uh, in the Nielsen panel. You know what's uh, crazy to me though? When I walk my dogs on Sundays and I see all of these people who just don't care about football at all. But then I go back and retrench into like my office and I see stadiums full of people across America. And my whole Twitter timeline <laughs> is people watching football. And it's just like completely like, it's, I can't believe we all are like living in the same place. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what, one, one thing to keep in mind is always this other than the Super Bowl. There's nothing that even 50% of the people in the U.S. watch at the same time. Uh, the Super Bowl is the only thing that, that, that gets close to that. So, so no matter what you watch, there's always more people who are, aren't watching it. Even like presidential elections? I think if you add up across all the networks, that, that one's a little bit trickier. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about a, a single telecast yeah, kind of thing. That makes sense. Uh, so, so Ryan, uh, but before I get you out of here, uh, any anything else from Thursday that uh, we had wrong on Thursday, but we can get right now? Um, no, I, the, the ESPN is just fascinating to observe because they're just they've been they've had so much disruption from obviously the cord cutting and the live rights fees skyrocketing that. Just watching the way that they handle this, it continues to be, in my opinion, really the most interesting story, not just in sports media, but in sports. Yeah. So uh, to, to recap, so and I was going to edit it out anyway, even if even if I had published that, that the call from last Thursday. But, uh, you know, we did we did talk a, a fair bit about SC6. And uh, one of the one of the conclusions that I'd come to was I don't think it can ever really be over uh, as long as we're in an environment where crazy stuff could happen on Twitter. And then crazy stuff happened on Twitter. Uh, so, I, you know, now now that we've had another weekend of it, I, I'm, I'm wondering, do you, do you have any additional thoughts on, you know, does ESPN really have a handle on how they're how they're uh, uh, handling and monitoring uh, social media from their talent? Well, did you see the Bill Simmons tweet where 
they um, ESPN published like the Rex Ryan video from um, NFL Countdown where he said that um, he he was kind of like disavowing himself as a Trump supporter because of the things that Trump said. And t- Simmons tweeted, "So let me get this straight: ESPN, I'm paraphrasing from memory. ESPN let Jamel Hill hang out to dry, but they're promoting a belated." Um, social renaissance of this idiot. When when Trump veers into sports, there's nothing they can do about it because almost everybody that we know at ESPN is somebody who is paid to give his or her opinion. So when Trump comes in and tells NFL players they have to stand for the anthem and disinvites uh, Stephen Curry from the White House that uh, Curry had already rebuffed the invitation. Then the ESPN ESPN can't tell their opinionists you're not allowed to have opinions about this because it's directly in their purview and it's what everybody's talking about. But uh, they 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 need to refrain from name calling is what I interpret their rule to be. Yeah, I think that's going to be tough, uh, you know, with with uh, with the with the current social media environment. But uh, we'll see. Ryan, uh, thanks for joining. Pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Ryan. Thanks to both John Orand and Ryan Glasspiegel for joining the podcast. Free free talk therapy for me, and I really do feel better after talking to them. So again, thanks. Uh, you can check out recent podcasts with Golf Channel's Molly Solomon, ESPN's Rachel Nichols, and NFL Network's Peter Schrager. And you can find all the past podcast episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening. Alexa, how come I just said that the uh, top 56-meter markets represented about 85% of the country when I met, meant only 70%? Alexa. How come I ramble and stammer uncontrollably? Hmm, I'm not sure. Me either. <laughs>